so we continue our discussion about passage planning and in this episode we're going to talk about fuel and water hello and welcome to covert castaway i'm holly join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising So uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out our leg one daily videos that we did in our passage from La Grande Mott, France to the Canary Islands. We are um, we were able to do kind of daily updates real time. It's a little Blair Witch project, so it's not super polished, but it's raw and real. And That's um, what people like. People like it seems like it. Authenticity, <clears throat> the, the yeah. raw factor. And then we're doing a live stream on December 2nd. Um, actually, we probably, by the time we post this, that will have passed, but um, you can check the recording. You can check the recording from because our live we'll stream. Do, because we'll do another live recording. Live stream. Live stream. Yeah. Uh, before we leave the yeah. Canaries. So if you subscribe, you'll get notifications for those live streams when we schedule them. And. Since I'm just revealing everything. Yeah. We'll <laughs> what are you going to say? <laughs> we'll do another one in the middle of the Atlantic. That's the ambition. Yeah. yeah. We'll see how that goes. No, that's what we'll do. There'll be a, a good time for that. And <laughs> because why not three, um, we'll do one when we get there. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. yeah. So check so that out. But um, Check YouTube. Subscribe. What we wanted to kind of go into detail about was more of what we're going through real time to prepare for our transatlantic passage. And um, so one of the topics uh, to discuss and one that everybody wants to talk about is provisioning. And, you know, there's different philosophies on how much you fill up your tanks, your fuel tanks and your water tanks. And Stefan has some strong opinions about that. How many crew? Um, Everything that crew. adds weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those are the couple things we're going to talk about today. Um, why don't we start with fuel? Oh, start with fuel. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's a sailboat. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Um, so some people uh, think the more fuel, the better. Um. And the philosophy is the only time you have too much fuel is when your boat is on fire. Yeah, and I find these very funny. Yeah, it's very funny. I, I like it. Uh, and you see people who have sailboats with um, full tanks and then a line of, you know, 10 to 12 jerry can. Oh, yeah. Uh, full of fuel. So that is certainly one way to do it. Um, I think. We have a little bit of a different philosophy, uh, which Stefan, maybe you can talk about. Well, I mean, it's a spectrum, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can plan for the worst. Um, so, let's say in your case, we're going to have a 26, 2700 nautical mile passage mm -hmm. from the Canaries all the way to the Caribbean. Um, so, uh, one way to think of it and disregarding a little bit the wind, the waves, but okay, 1,300 nautical miles away, you're halfway point, and you want fuel to, basically, if you're like 1,000 nautical miles away from where you left, you're like, okay, I won't be able to finish, but I can motor back 1,000 nautical miles. Uh, 
if something happens, like you lose a rig or something. Is that yeah, the, I'm yeah. talking worst case, mm -hmm. like the end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, you might be against the wind, against the waves and stuff, but mm -hmm. you also get some traffic and get refuel, get assistance from other boats. So that's kind of one philosophy and you want to be self-sufficient. Um, you want to plan for the worst case scenario. Um, you have a slow boat, a heavy boat. Um, you need wind to move and uh, otherwise you can <laughs> bob around. Or you want to guarantee, motor. like if you have a heavy boat, you want to guarantee that you can motor your way out of a bad situation if a storm were to form, right? That would be part of the logic. Yeah, that too. But um, um, so so that's one spectrum. Um, we the other side, you're racing, and um, you're racing. You're not motoring. You're not allowed to motor, <laughs> and um, except uh, for energy purposes. Um, so we rely on the solar. We rely on a hydro generator. But it could be that you need assistance because um, you need uh, additional um, energy. In a racing scenario. Well, in, yeah. So you, you look at different ways and mm -hmm. then they can power the engine, but they are sealed so they cannot um, go forward. Or, you know, uh, What's sealed? Uh, they have a seal. So when they cross the finish line, you make oh, the sure... the racers. The racers, yeah. Oh. So you can turn the engine on for uh, charging your batteries um, you could also break the seal and, and move and forward. And use your engine, and yeah. that would be cheating. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's all, so anyway, so you have the other side on that spectrum where you're mm -hmm. like, it's a sailboat. If there is no wind for 24 hours, you bob around, uh, thinking that, okay, the wind might come back. Of course, if you find yourself in the middle of a high pressure, and you could wait for a long time. and <laughs> So then you need another option. But... Um, well, the other option is you just pack a lot more food. Yeah, well, if you're wait. still in the middle of the high pressure and <laughs> you, you need a lot more fuel, you need to start fishing. Yeah. Um, so, um, but you'll have plenty of solar, and if there's no wind, you have no sails, you'll have a like good uh, solar, <laughs> good energy. You can cook a lot of fish. Yeah, after you catch as long as you make water and, and, and eat fish. Yeah. yeah. So, somewhere. Um, on that spectrum um, and of course everything I say <laughs> <laughs> Stefan has a bias um, no 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 what I mean well I have a bias um, but everything that I say can be changed and corrected you reserve uh, the right to be ad adjusted, is what you're saying. Adjusted or <laughs> counseled or <laughs> by uh, professionals. Or nagged by uh, the wife. By, yeah. By, <laughs> yeah. And by professionals like yeah. Nikki, who's done uh, many more Atlantic Crossing um, since it will be my first one. Oh, yeah. So, tangent. Nikki Henderson is joining our boat for leg two across the transatlantic. So... Um, we are really excited to have her on board. She's actually going to take the role of head skipper. Um, so, and the reason for How that. How do you feel about that? I'm excited. I think she's so <laughs> badass. She's so amazing. I've, I was able to take um, classes from her during the three Uchimir weeks. So I've taken a lot of courses from her. She's amazing. Um, and we we invited her to join us as the skipper because we want to learn. Um, she has so much great experience from the Clipper races and everything else, and just her style, her leadership style is amazing. And we want to learn as much as possible. So 
Uh, that's why we did it. Um, could we pass just the two of us across the ocean? Of course. Um, but I think we, it's a brand new boat and she knows these boats better than anybody. And I think it's going to massively ramp our learning curve. We talked a little bit about why we chose to do that in our video series that introduces our altogether maiden voyage. You can also check that out on YouTube. But anyway, and we're back. I'm sorry. I just love Nikki. So had to like put that plug in so, there. So you're, you're happier to have her as a skipper. Well, I'm ha no, not <laughs> happier. I'm, I'm happy, period, because I think we're going to learn a lot together. And yes. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, so depending on also what, what counsel she gives on that and what her, you know, we haven't talked to her about it yet, but this is Stefan's kind of fuel philosophy we're talking about. Rough guidelines. <laughs> the the <laughs> formal guidelines will be yeah. uh, written down yeah. by, uh, by Nikki. Um, so we have our philosophy is, well, I don't know. Are we aligned on our philosophy? I don't know. I mean, so let's <laughs> well, talk about, b before we sort of say that, let's talk about what happened on leg one. So on leg one, um, Jean-Marc, who was with us on that leg, uh, also an Outremer skipper um, and a delivery skipper, he, he was more of the philosophy, they fill up the tanks and move across. And so there was a, a big debate on board and we came to a middle ground um, and then we ended up having to stop and fill up the tanks. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I get the point about not wanting to weigh the boat down, but it was motoring conditions any, anyway, given what happened um, with the wind, it was right on the nose and, um, you know. We well, it, yeah, one, there is a different philosophy because Jean-Marc is a solo delivery skipper, uh, well, not only, but he does that. So I would say that's totally, I would totally do the same thing. Yeah, uh, if you were If you're so, by yourself yeah. and mm -hmm. you, have, um, you have to deliver a boat, um, you need to keep moving mm -hmm. and, um, and you don't want to be, uh, yeah, you want to remove variables. So... He, he comes um, from different background, but that's one of his background. Um, number two, uh, the med uh, is very specific. Um, so he, we ended up... You just never know what you're going to get in the med. And um, so I think, therefore, the idea is plan for all contingencies. Um, yeah, but I, I would argue uh, also against that when, um, because we have a light boat, and we want to keep it light. We've made decisions that have been fairly consistent mm -hmm. during the, um, the option uh, selection process uh, to keep the boat light. And, and one argument would be like, oh, if you fill up your tanks, you're adding half a ton, roughly, uh, to the weight of the boat. It's a lot. Well, well, so yes, it's a lot <laughs> because we've been looking at like tens of kilograms and so half a ton is a lot. But some people will say, well, the boat weighs, you know, 10 plus tons, 12, sorry, 12 plus tons before you add your personal stuff. So let's say we add another 2.5 tons uh, once you add up all the sales equipment, spare parts, food, whatever. Um, so we're probably, um, I don't know, let's say 15 tons. So if you say half a ton um, out of 15, people will say, oh, that's not a lot in percentages. And we'll say, yes, sure, it's percentages, it's not a lot. But if you do this for everything you put on the boat, suddenly you have hundreds of kilos more. 
and every kilo is going to add up um, in different areas of the boat to the performance. So you want to, you, we're cruisers, we're not racers, um, so, but also we like to sail and we don't like to motor. So <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. unless we have to. Um, so that's kind of, you know, to keep in perspective, um, the percentages, uh, they're very misleading. And to what me. are we talking about here? Like, let's say we filled up the tanks versus half full tanks. Um, in terms of average boat speed, are we talking about one knot? Are we talking about a half a knot? What are we talking about? Oh, I don't know how it will translate in, uh, in difference, um, but it's going to be the behavior of the boat, you know, mm -hmm. in, in light air, it's going to be, um, I mean... Well, yeah, in light air, it would make a big difference. Light air and yeah. in surfing, I mean, mm -hmm. everything, everything adds, adds up yeah. to the way the, the boat is going to behave and uh, the way the body is going to move. And if we're talking again, half a knot, people will say, oh, half a knot is nothing. Well, half a knot on a boat like this is is quite a lot. I mean, you time this by 24 hours. It adds up, yeah. It, it adds up, yeah. So, so it, it's the same percentage that people use when they say, oh, I, you don't need a performance cruising boat because 90% of the time you're at anchor. And again- uh, But we're talking about a passage though. So. No, 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 but I, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm trying to, to me, to correct some, some certain things I disagree with when people use like those percentages mm -hmm. like uh, uh, loosely. And, and I think, you know, because if you follow this reasoning and 90% of time you're at, anchor, at an anchor, then everybody will have heavy boats because, you know, why buy a performance boat uh, to only sail 10% of the time? What I think people don't realize is it's 10, 15, 20% of the time, it's a lot of water. It's a lot of water, guys. And like even doing a full 12 hour day, you're like, wow, this is, this is a, I mean, it's a long day, right? And, and then you want, yeah. uh, I mean, so the, the behavior of the boat is, is, you know, you want to account, those are like an anchor, those are the easy days, yeah? yeah? Most of the time. When you're sailing, you're going to have easier and worse days. And so you want to have a boat that sails wells and you feel confident, confident in yeah. um, for these 10, 15% of the time. So, so I don't know. So my point, my tangent on this is uh, to be careful the way people use percentages to fit, um, to yeah. argue uh, something. And I guess, you know, people would say it's a safety issue. And even I would, that was originally where my head was at. It's like, okay, if we have more fuel on board, it's a safety issue just in case anything happens. Like we know, da, da, da. But I think the bigger picture, the safety issue is the longer you're in open water, the less safe it is, you know. Like the more in, you can be exposed. To. Yeah, yeah, like the more risk there is. The longer you're on open water, period, the more risk there is. More things can happen the longer you're there. So, and certainly just from a um, want to get somewhere standpoint, you know, I would rather be at a beautiful anchor, anchorage, you know, a couple days earlier or a few days earlier or a few hours earlier than be on open water in mm. in in. In, in in conditions. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, if you're like, champagne sailing, sure. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, like... Well, you're in trade winds. You're like... Uh, uh, okay, well, anyway. <laughs> our idea of fun is a little bit different. But the point is, is that, is that you know, these boats, too, they, they just... If, if they're, 
you know, uh, set up properly and if they have, you know, they can perform at what they need to perform at, um, you know, you're going to be sailing a lot quicker than you're motoring. Oh, yeah. You know, so so that is a safety factor. So, um, you know, that was one way I kind of wrap my head around the, the safety issue is just being in being in blue water for a long period of time is probably just not a good idea. So you want to be able to to get to your destination efficiently. Granted, I mean, nowadays we have pretty good, it depends the areas of the world, but yeah. like for an Atlantic crossing at this time of the year, we'll have a pretty good visibility. I mean, the weather well, it's models. It's not just the weather. I mean, it's traffic, it's floating things in the water, it's unexpected, you know, system issues. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am the uh, chairman of the risk committee on board, so um, that's how I look at things. But anyway, yeah. so fuel. So where do we land on fuel? Um, so obviously, pre Nikki conversation. <laughs> pre Nikki conversation to be revisited yeah. uh, when mid December when she lands on the boat. Yeah. Um, so the idea would be, so here we go, some other piece of data for Outremer. Um, that's from uh, Mathieu uh, at Outremer. Oh, from Outremer, you mean? From, yeah, yeah, from Outremer. Oh, not guidelines, yeah, just, no. just recommendations. Um, uh, not an official Ideas, yeah. I would call them, yeah. So um, for Outremer type boats. So for an Atlantic crossing, uh, 60 liters of diesel would be more of a racing configuration. 100 liters. 60 liters. So what percentage of tanks is that? Uh, all tanks total of 575 liters of diesel. Total? Yeah. So 60 will be 10%. 10%? Yeah. Well, you you don't need the diesel okay, well, to move. Okay, well, we're not racing s- either. No, so. but you, the idea is you're sailing. And then if you need extra energy, you can burn the 60 liters of, of fuel. And if you need, when you leave the dock and you get to the other place, to the anchor, you can use your... So diesel. motoring and basically as a backup because you don't have a generator, you're using your engines to, if, if, if needed. you need to. Yeah, those are the three. Leave the dock, get to anchor, and um, and then in between, um, you know, uh, for... Regenerate energy, yeah. yeah. 100 liters will be the consensus so now we're talking about what 15% roughly and I'm trying to remember 100 and is numbers 60, 100 I think 150 was like well 100 liters isn't half 50% is it Hmm? if you said we have how many many did you say we had capacity 575 so 100 liters isn't 50 50%. 50%. 15, I Oh, said. 15, sorry. <laughs> Roughly, I'm doing... <laughs> I need more coffee. <laughs> I need... I need I'm doing numbers in, in my head, but if 60 yeah. liters is roughly 10%, okay. you add another right, right. 30, so 15%. Um, I think he said after that, and I'll have to double check, but it was 60, 100, I think it was 150 was like conservative. So 150... Um, Basically, you you want to be on the conservative side, and you leave with 150. So 150 liters is still only what? 25 percent. Yeah, 25 yeah. percent of your yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So very different from those boats that leave with like mm, yeah. tons and tons of jerry cans on the on the yeah. on the side, um, because 
this is this is a performance cruising catamaran. This is not like um, a big heavy, you know, pushing the water like you know. So, so that's kind of another data point to take into consideration. Um, I think I would be okay with like twenty as a guideline for me. Like if without having further conversations on on why more is better, but looking at the the weather. Uh, that we're expecting at this time of the year, um, then you have a pretty good idea of, of how much wind and you're going to get. Um, of course... Because the trade winds are predictable. It's not like you're in the med some crazy time, like, like where you don't really know what's going to happen. You, it's established, right? It should be mm-hmm. established. Right now we see that it's not yet. There's some low pressures that are pushing and moving mm-hmm. around the high pressure system. And so people who left uh, maybe a week ago, like from the Grand Canaria, typically you curve like southwest and, and then going west into the trade winds. Um, they had to sail pretty much all the way to Cape Verde, uh, all the arc uh, mm-hmm. that left uh, uh, because of these low pressure uh, systems in the middle uh, of the route. Mm-hmm. So they have to go a lot, lot longer distance. Of course, if you... Um, so so anyway so but at the time we leave i think we will have probably a pretty well established weather pattern and um and pretty good idea of how long it will take mm-hmm. uh, to get there mm-hmm. assuming everything is is okay okay so where did you land on the 60 100 150 like in your head because uh, my answer would be 150 <laughs> Well, that's pretty good. 150 is 25. Or is that, how, is that your negotiating style? Like it's actually yeah, half? Yeah. And I'm, you're, I'm using you're Matthew's numbers. To, uh, that's yeah. so funny. No, no. Yeah, I think it's it's good. I mean, that's 25%. After that, I mean, it doesn't make much of a difference. We're talking about 25, 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see uh, uh, with Nikki what, it, what she mm-hmm. says. She might have a very different point of view. But uh, yeah. I think she'll be more aligned um, mm-hmm. with well, we'll uh, something like that. So let's talk about water. So do the same rules apply with water? And for our, I mean, we have one water maker. We, mm-hmm. have, we have some spare parts, bits and pieces, but we don't have a full unit. We don't have a second unit. No. Um, no backup. No backup. Uh, we oh, have wait, wait. two me, tanks. Let me, uh, yes. Uh, do you know what the capacity of those are? Uh, Roughly? Um, I'll have to double check. It's uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, is, does the same rules apply for the water? Because I mean, I think I think generally what happens on on these boats is people make water as they use it. They don't fill it up and then use it all and then fill it up again. It's sort of like we make water a little bit every day. Um, yeah, I mean, again, the the, the same people were going to put uh, jerry cans of diesel based on their philosophy or their boats are probably going to fill up their water tanks every day. And so this way you always, uh, at the end of your day or beginning of your day, whatever, you always have full water. In a full situation. And if something happens and you start with full water and you start managing your water. Um, so that's, again, the end of the spectrum. Um, the other one is again racing, uh, where it's required you have so many liters per day per person on board. And um, so 
that's so the, you still have the water you still have the water one way or another it's well, on the boat so nowadays because of water makers when i did um uh, when we did my races to hawaii there was no water maker on board so we had to leave with the water we needed um it includes basically in the i forgot i think it wait was you didn't have a water maker no <laughs> I learned something new about you today. Well, on either boat, we didn't have a water maker. Of course, on the 24-foot boat, we didn't, which was a big impact because when now you're taking, I think it was maybe two liters of water per day per person. That includes drinking, cooking, and Like, how did you even store it on that little tiny boat? Yeah, so we had to have um, uh, bottles because you want to minimize the risk. If you have, like, a big blob of water and it it gets, it leaks, then you lose all your water. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to divide uh, the different sources of water. Oh, like bottles versus a bladder or something. Yeah, well, Mm -hmm. we had some, maybe we had, like, two bladders. We had bottles and and you divide. And, uh, but boats, so that's required, but boats to have a water maker uh, some play with the rules and they leave the dock with the amount of water required and as soon as they go out they dump the water to be lighter and they rely on their water maker and everything is good until you have a water maker problem which happened onto a, onto a boat and they were quite a few days out with a full crew uh, to the finish line and they needed uh, assistance water, from another water. boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in this case, they broke the rules, and um, and that's what happened. It didn't work out for them. Yeah. So so that's that's the other, and you you carry what is um, just minimally required, basically to drink, to cook, and to basically do your hygiene, and, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. So it's very 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 minimal. Um, so now that we have a water maker, um, or most cruisers have water makers on board, um, those always better that they run every day. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, philosophy is obviously to have extra water. So, but it's, well, we have two tanks. So emergency water, you mean? Emergency water. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have that. That's we'll in the that. bilges. Yeah. It's good that we have two separate tanks. So if one leaks, we still have the other mm-hmm. and, um, we don't lose all the water. And if the water maker works, I mean, you find how to patch the leak and you can continue to make more water. So that's, that's good also to, to have, uh, to have that. Um, and then it's same idea you can use your water well we'll switch our toilets uh, we use them with fresh water but every flush you know uh, yeah. adds up um, so when we go offshore we'll switch to salt water uh, so that will minimize our water consumption and um, and after that i think it's a little bit like on the passage you know um, the closer you get um, you know how many days are left and you know you can play with your water a little bit differently than maybe at the beginning um, mm-hmm. you know or in the middle I would say because at the beginning you can turn around <laughs> if you have a major issue or but if it's in the middle that's that's where you know you mm-hmm. have to, to manage be conservative yeah yeah so but the general idea is going to be to make water every day a little bit not to fill up the tanks Again, Asterix. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, if something were to happen with a water maker, then we can go switch in the mode of be like, okay, now water is rationed for drinking for this and we have the emergency water. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we couldn't repair or something mm-hmm. with, uh, with the water maker, which mm-hmm. would be probably, I mean, you could get assistance because with uh, Starlink, we couldn't connect with the people from Desolator and Troubleshoot. 
um, and manually uh, there is some electronics that's being used but you can also use it in a very manual mode um, so if there was an electrical problem or an, um, more of a cable or electronic card problem or something like there, there's stuff that we can do also as a backup on how we use the water maker so there's a documentation that we could get assistance from that so at least we could make water and the other thing we haven't talked about uh, but you need to be um, and in the trade winds uh, what happens uh, is the sun hits the water all day the water evaporates it forms into clouds and at night uh, you're going to get what we call the squalls and uh, those clouds are going to release their water and wind and so we have a way to collect water on the on the automer and um, so it collects on the on the roof uh -huh. and goes in little gutters and then there's hoses that come down um, the what do you call these things? Uh, we have a uh, well, the post, the, the coach roof. The, the coach roof posts. Yeah, so there's they, like hoses inside. Yeah. So what's nice, it's integrated, so you don't see it. But there is a valve, so our valve by default, um, that water goes out back to sea. Of course, um, if it was more for uh, drinking, I mean, we have a carbon filter. But you will want to kind of remove the salt and dust and sand yeah, on let, the coach Yeah, let roof. the squall kind of clean off the boat yeah. um, a little bit. And then you can start collecting the water. And any particulates that would normally be filtered out through the water maker, you filter out through the filtration system. We have a seagull under... Um, you know, single seagull for the drinking water faucet yeah. in the boat. And and one Utomer mm. that crossed um, so recently, he crossed from Cape Verde to the Caribbean, said that they didn't get any water until they arrived, the day they arrived in the Caribbean. So, again... You can't, yeah, count on it. Well, again, because it's still early in the season, and I think that's uh, more likely when the trade winds are well established and the routes may be, well, it would have taken a southern route because if you leave from Cape Verde. But, yeah, if you don't find, if you find yourself uh, without having those clouds, then there is no water, um, so that can be a, a, a little tricky. But at the time we will leave, I think we will expect... Um, to get some of those squalls and those squalls you know will dump a lot of water and you can collect quickly liters and tens of liters of water very quickly mm -hmm. and more mm -hmm. so uh, so that's that's another um, backup mm -hmm. um, yeah so um, so what are you thinking just um back on the so, spectrum. So I have, I have to give a number so I get corrected later. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, uh, well, we have three ladies on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be outnumbered. No, no, outnumbered, but I don't know. Uh, water consumption. Um, obviously, we're not, we're not racing. We, we want to keep some comfort level. Um, right, and we don't obviously we're not we, we're not having seawater showers um, but they are echo showers so you rinse and you stop it and you lather mm -hmm. up and you rinse and so it's not like you know at home showers I think we sh I think we should have like every so many days we have a bucket shower okay you can do that <laughs> no it's a team team building well the thing is these boats move so fast like even trying oh, to yes. get a bucket of water out the back like it's would, tricky would like you'd, you'd fall overboard trying to 
<laughs> you do that. Need, yeah, you have to stop n- the boat. Never throw a bucket yeah. as a line without you no. know uh, knowing a life jacket. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to attach to the boat because the, yeah. It, it yeah yeah you'd fall overboard. Anyway, so um, so I had planned to a little bit start the provisioning conversation, but I think that's going to be a whole separate um, podcast because we're already kind of coming up to thirty minutes here. But I think it was a good discussion on fuel and water. Any other? Any other? Uh, the black water? Oh, what about the black water? Because <laughs> it adds weight, too. Oh, come on. <laughs> do, we, do we collect it? No, we dump it at sea. Yeah, that's so. typically what people do, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... And then um, I so don't know if we need to discuss the poo part of that. <laughs> no, I was I was trying to think of everything that adds weight to the boat. That's yeah. a good thing. This one releases weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> a little bit. And then and then crew. Maybe since we're talking like um, so, we'll. Well, this have... isn't a weight podcast, Stefan. This is a oh. water and fuel podcast. Oh, okay. I, I <laughs> quickly. He quickly has a one-track mind. Yeah. Because, hey, no, for every person, I guess it can be part of the provisioning. Because now you're, like, multiplying by four. Yeah, that's what... Uh, I'll talk about that in provisioning a little bit, because Nikki did give some advice on that. She does a ladies-only podcast, and we just... It's fresh in my mind, because um, she had she had made a couple comments on amount of people and amount of food, and less people, less food was basically the summary. So mm-hmm. stay tuned for our next podcast around provisioning. And if you have any questions on f- fuel and water and spectrums, you can <laughs> email those to Stefan <laughs> at uh, sailingowen at gmail.com. Yeah. And um, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to get notifications for any live streams. Um, and join us as virtual crew on leg two with Nikki Henderson from... Uh, Las Palmas Canaries to Mike Anderson and Segolin. And Segolin, the very famous sailor. Yep, she's 21 years old. She's she's our daughter, and um, we're really excited. It'll be for her first passage ever. Yes. Um, for any amount of time. So. Very famous sailor yeah. in our family, but not uh, <laughs> not on the water. I don't know if she knows what she's getting into. So. No. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, uh, fair winds for now. Bon vent.